Hey fuckers, who knows what day it is anymore? I'm Mark Clearview, and you're listening to episode 21 of Quarantine Live. I wanted to say, I'm recording this very late. So if you're about to listen to this during the day, um, this episode has a night energy that I would highly recommend coming back and listening to later at night. Especially when you might be feeling... Um... <laughs> dark <laughs> and, r- and ruminating a bit too much for your own good you might want to listen to that then but it, it's your life and i can't tell you how to live it i'm only a disembodied voice let me paint the scene for you it's very very late um i'm sitting at my desk in my room in toronto in a small apartment wearing a baseball cap with hair that hasn't been cut for two months uh four months five months unshowered sitting and wondering and thinking talking to a microphone at my desk sitting in my wheelie chair which makes way too much noise to record a podcast and thinking about how to get across what i've been feeling for the past week in this episode and the answer is that it's impossible i don't want to make any jokes about any headlines i don't want to read the amount of people who have died i don't i just want to speak honestly about what's on my chest that seems to be the only thing that this podcast has been good for I have no other art form where I'm not the main product and don't have to come across in a certain way. And to be frank, I'm tired of always having to come across in a certain way. And one of the things that makes me the most proud about myself, I think, is this internal motivation that never seems to die out where I'm always finding a reason to push forward in whatever game. I'm playing. I want to be better than someone else. I want to prove that I'm better than someone else. I want to prove that I'm the best ever to do any certain thing that I set my mind to. And a lot of the time, I have a really good way of doing that. I'm unclear what quarantine has stripped from me so far. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Maybe I'm not... What am I worried about? Everyone's using this time to pivot to bring their work online, to go viral, to make videos and content that people want to consume. And I hear so many people saying we're living in such an exciting time right now because we can, people are wanting to consume online content and now's the time to get the most creative and give it to them and be working and productive and yada, yada, yada. And I'm always working and I'm always productive and I'm always going towards the next step. And I wish that I didn't have to lie to people and tell them that I still feel motivated and like moving forward because I don't. I don't feel motivated. I don't feel like moving forward. I don't feel like I'm taking in any inspiration from any of the art around me. I think most of the stuff online is bad. I think most of the things that I consume are garbage. I think they wrestle for my attention and whatever has the most clickbaity headline or the weirdest thing that happens in a video will pull my attention from 15 second interval to 15 second interval. I don't know that there's any real room for art anymore it makes me want to completely explode everything i've ever tried to do rather than trying to make good stuff why don't i just sell my soul that's the one thing i haven't tried yet why don't i actually just try to say fuck it if this is what people want i'll just throw in the towel make the garbage and get paid for it like everyone else and then maybe once i have an audience i can start doing stuff that i enjoy or maybe that will be fun maybe just maybe it will be more fun to sell my soul and get the views and feel like I can play the game 
instead of feeling like I am always whining and griping that other people are playing the game better than me. Maybe that's just what it is now. Maybe that's the world that we're in and it's time to adapt. Is that what to do? Because I know so many people listening are going to be like, no, keep your integrity as an artist. And that's what it's really going to be about. And like we can talk down on these other people who there are magicians who reveal secrets online and just make you, you know, if I guess your card right, then you have to follow and like this video or think of a color. Was it red? And they'll just guess or think of a day of the week that ends in Y or all of these. Did I get it? Like and comment below to tell me whatever video title. You'll never believe how this magician reads your mind. The last 10 seconds will shock you. And you think okay, I don't know whether to commend this person and pat them on the back or hate them and tell everyone that I hate them, but either way, it doesn't matter. It it plays into their final goal. Whether you love to hate them and comment that they're an idiot, they're still getting a comment. Whether you love to love them, they're still getting that fan base. And what I'm saying is it's um, it's impossible to lose when you've already lost. So just just, <laughs> I, I guess, give into it is what I'm saying. I don't know... We have 50 people who listen to the podcast every week. 50. I'm thankful for the 50 people who listen, but let's be honest, nobody gives a shit. Who cares about what I have to say? I barely do at this moment. I wouldn't want to listen to this, and I'm tired of us like trying to pretend that we have these audiences, and it's like, these are our friends on Facebook. This is tiny micro things which don't, which don't matter, and... And they just don't like so much of our art just doesn't matter and it's not getting out there. And for a fucking live performer who hasn't been on stage, maybe I haven't done proper mourning. And I don't want to do whining, but I'm going through a shit ton of loss at the same time. And I think it's crazy if we're thinking of it from a therapy standpoint to not give merit to to realize, to admit that. I was on the top of my game financially. I was in a city that allowed me to live a very lavish lifestyle. I moved to New York City with a partner and our dog and was signed to an agency in LA and New York, which was Bicoastal, who managed Brie Larson and, you know, huge comedy names from the New York offices like John Mulaney and Amy Schumer, et cetera, et cetera. And... I was taken on and I had an off-Broadway show that I was doing and I was performing in plenty of off-Broadway theaters and there was a residency show that wanted me there at different venues that I've always wanted to perform in my whole life were building shows with me and I was meeting artists unlike the caliber of which I've never worked with before and people would tell me they were fans of certain comedians so I was on their lineups of their shows at like club coming with these huge amazing clubs which are owned by celebrities and performing with the roots and performing for Rami Malik and like performing in a venue where Lauren Hill opens and I'm surrounded by all this raw talent drinking the best cocktails eating the best food spending way too much money living far outside my means and finding a way to make it work and having people notice me, ABC calling me in for auditions, auditioning for NBC pilots, ABC pilots, HBO pilots, and you know, and then going to the hottest venues to party and fucking, you know, have sex with amazing people and God. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's 
doesn't you know i was dating one amazing person and uh and in an amazing situation all around and i remember her telling me i rem- i remember her coming to see the show at paradise and me you know talking about feeling like a fraud or wanting more to move on and and her saying you know you've entered a new bracket of performer you can't go back to toronto and perform on the same lineups that you were you are you have changed and i can see it and you can feel it and now you're comparing yourself to people that you never would have even been in the same circles as before the relationship ends, the dog goes away, all the shows get canceled, the city goes away. What I love to do more than anything in the entire world goes away. And it becomes really hard to identify yourself when your identifiers have all been stripped. So you are forced to find other things or drown. I'm not trying to depress anyone, (laughs) let alone myself, because this is supposed to be a comedy podcast. But let's be honest, I'm not a podcast host. I'm not a viral video star. I'm not a TikTok influencer. I'm not an Instagram influencer. I'm not a YouTuber. Um, I'm not a producer. I have a lot of these skills. But what I am is an entertainer. And I'm a live entertainer. And I will... I will do things to an audience which you have never seen an audience go through before. And I know when I'm walking on to any stage that I'm going to do that night after night and I am going to relish the opportunity. And I know I'm going to hit it out of the park. And I know I'm going to feel that. And if I don't, and if I don't, I'm still going to have the best fucking time failing. And in the online world, I'm going to enjoy it enough and I'm going to enjoy it enough to keep up with it and understand why it's important and listen to my agents who are telling me to do certain things and really try. But when it doesn't pop off, which it usually doesn't, I'm not going to love it as much, to be honest. So what are our options? We say, fuck it entirely. I don't want to do anything that I don't want to do. And I should just be using this time to like just heal and rest and sleep and eat, make myself food and just pat myself on the back for a living. Or we go fucking balls to the wall, ape shit. I lose my mind in a very public forum. And, um, you know. I poke the bear as much as possible and I see how much I can get away with and I go into like Buffon really hard and like try to shine a mirror onto the world and and like just <clears throat> and just get, you know, controversial. Sure, that's exciting maybe. 
and like big things that were going to happen for me in New York and uh you know like Paradise Club totally closing down and my very good magician friend Eric who in in New York who I became very close with had a bar in Brooklyn called Baby Grand which was a karaoke bar which magicians from around the world would meet up at and and flock to and perform magic for each other and sing karaoke and you're like I'm I'm with the best magicians in the world at this bar in Brooklyn just singing karaoke with them what could be a better thing and um and it just it just closed down so it's done and it's like wow all my friends things are going out of business and and the people that I really worked hard to meet and like friendships that I worked hard to tend and and people that I really care about are now losing their jobs and I might not see them again or might not be hanging out with them in the same places that I like I don't know it's just like what is happening this is not real I feel like that performer thing that everybody who's ever dated me has to come to terms with which is the performer um, persona and it's like oh he's a performer and there's this this alluring you know charismatic thing about a performer who when they're on and with me I think you that's something that people have been attracted to and drawn in and this thing that I've heard also and that they really enjoy until they realize that the off switch on it can be very hard to find especially for me and that's why I've tried to like give myself a stage name and wear a very specific suit each time I perform. So when I take that off and I stop using the name, I, I try to shed it. But when you're performing at a venue and then you stay in costume and you're still talking afterwards, you are, you are on, on all the time and people don't realize that you're working. And I haven't, I haven't been on. I, and oh man, I, it's so funny to realize this. It's like people go, you know, my ex used to say to me like just turn it off and and be be real mark and it's hard to be like you know the the stage version of myself is the most real version that's me at my realist um yes i'm on but that's because that's who i am to be off for this long is is crazy i don't i don't i it's not what i was it's not what i'm good at like i have to wonder who the fuck I am now and what fills out this shell, this orb that is just like floating through the day and hoping for good news from somewhere. It, I feel weird talking this way because I'm always the one who's like, we got to fight, we got to push, we got to make something of it. And I, and I know it will happen and I know I'll be singing a different tune one day, but I don't want to push it out. I don't want to, it's dishonest. Who the fuck, like even, even, hey everyone, even I fail. Not everything I do is an accomplishment and, um, and it certainly feels like a lot of a lot of things have been that. I just don't know myself in relation to a partner anymore. I don't know myself in relation to the stage anymore. I don't know myself in relation to my friends anymore. So I just have to find out what myself is. Um, and I'm a bad guy. I'm just bad. I've made plenty of mistakes. I make things about me. I'm a bad listener. I can be manipulative and a control freak. And I'm a perfectionist. And yet I'm lazy. These were headings that I said I wanted to talk about. Um, being alone. I think of myself in relation to romantic relationships and other people a lot of the time. And now that 
but breakups happened and um I met somebody else very special that I started seeing perhaps too soon afterward. And uh wow. Started feeling very uh alive. And like what a grounded relationship could be. And uh, it might be too fresh to talk about, but I ended up losing that also, which is for the best. All of this is, I'm telling myself. And now to, you know, message people or be messaged is not fun. I just want to be alone, which I've never felt in this way before. Why am I saying all this? Uh, In hopes to help you. I don't know if you're feeling the same way. Um, it's normal. It's normal to feel however you're feeling. And it's it's just for now. So hang in there. Because something's going to shift. I'm glad I'm recording this episode at night. It's it's about 1am here. at When I'm recording this. Who knows when you're listening. Hey look. People award um, shit now. And the things that go viral are the things that get the most the that gets the most controversy going and that's the most provocative and it's negative energy uh if i let's say i went out and started spitting on groceries and filmed myself and posted it oh it would that's easy that's an easy viral video the bloggers pick it up and they go how could you and everyone loves to hate someone and be like this fucking idiot and then you're gonna get the people who like try to defend it and be like it was just a joke and the more and more that goes on and on and on the more views the more comments the more up votes and down votes it's great for everybody just something really positive like try to raise money for parkinson's research and uh certain you know nobody gives a shit um it's like pulling teeth very rarely does a very positive thing blow up and when it does uh does it work i don't know coney 2012 we'll answer that all for you the next thing that i'm interested in doing i'm just going to tell you straight out right now when i did pokemon go problems the video that got 50 million views on Facebook and half a million on YouTube. I was running into things when Pokemon Go was a big thing and some people loved it and some people loved to hate it. Perfect. And I walked on the subway tracks in the video and some people thought that that was a stupid harmless prank and some people thought it was the stupidest um, thing ever and was very dangerous. Both are correct. And lo and behold, broke a bylaw. Suddenly it's in the spin of the media and it goes viral. I'm going to do something provocative again with a positive message behind it. And some people will only focus on the negative and that will be fine. And I'll get dragged through the mud and I'll know it the whole time. And we'll submit our own hate mail and we'll make fake accounts where we submit our own negative spin. And mark my words, we will spin it ourselves and craft the whole story. And the headlines will basically be as if we wrote them. And, uh, and then we'll make a follow-up video based on that, and we'll try to keep it in the spin of the media as long as possible. But that's what's going to happen, and I'm explaining it now so you know that I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to go off and do something stupid and then be like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I know exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to rat on myself, and and I'm going to show you what it takes to go viral and how easy it is if you don't give a fuck because it's been four years since we decided to do something like that, and then we were like, let's make scripted sketches that are actually good. Does anyone watch that? No, they just want to see the the controversy in action. So give the people what they want. Uh, wow, that was negative. Um, I do want you to stay positive. 
also when you stay positive you give people around you time to be to feel negative and like feel the way that they're supposed to feel which is okay and when they feel positive around you they give you room to feel negative and take your space so it's important to be honest with how you're feeling be positive for those around you and be honest for you doing what you love is really hard man what a hard job it makes you question if you should do it every single day uh do i really want this could i've just been an investment banker um maybe i just wanted the money and it's like nah of course not and also it's it like means so much more for me like let's let's say getting rich is the goal which is absolutely not getting rich from like being a doctor versus a musician is like one of you did it on i mean they're hard for different reasons but like it might even be a bad example let's go stockbroker uh versus comedian it's like to make that as a comedian and and to get there that way oh man what a what a crazier journey that you had truly and how much smarter do you think the comedian had to be that's all I, that's all i have to say like much smarter uh do i still love doing what i love um yep yeah. always always he said through his teeth and then i wrote this i don't know what i'm trying to say anymore I feel stripped. I feel stripped of what makes me who I am. I feel like a vessel floating in orbit with no direction. An internal driving force and motive... And then that's cut off. No, this isn't even what I want to be saying. I can't. I can't sit and write. I can't be creative. I can't drone forward. I can't mean nothing to the world. I can't have nothing to contribute. Do I get a job or volunteer or stay trapped inside my house and crawl into a deeper hole and come as much as I can? What will heal me from f the feeling of nothing? So many artists, so many humans face the inexplicable wall, the nothing left, the nothing more, the how do I mean something, the what do I do now? Should I drive to Texas? Should I eat a bagel? Should I kill myself? Should I buy a car? Should I write a book of poems? Should I make a movie? Should I search through a phone book for inconsistencies? Should I try to find the cure for this virus? Should I make sandwiches for the homeless? Should I submit? Should I push on? Can I do both? Will I ever admit that I'm scared that my internal motor peaked early? And that's fucking it. When I was younger, I was in a relationship with the first person that I fell in love with. And we got in this huge fight about something pretty big. And I said, uh, I never want to see you again. And I wrote a poem that was on a blog at the time that was basically echoed that, but that said if there was some way we could meet outside of reality, I would want to take that time to talk because in reality, I don't want to talk to you and I don't want to see you in my day to day and make you a part of my life. But if I could just talk to you removed outside of all the, politics and all this shit and even like how I should feel or how I think I should then I would talk to you and if that feeling was somehow you know like at midnight the time in between one day and the next this is where I would meet you and this is where I would have that conversation and I just decided to go and see if and you know I never sent it to her and we never talked about it as I was about to fall asleep that night, I 
woke up and took my mom's car and drove to this spot I had described or what I thought I had described and she was there and we weren't mad and we just spoke as people and then the next day we didn't talk at all and I was pissed and stopped talking to friends and we just stopped seeing each other and then at midnight that night I don't know why but I drove back and she was there again and we spoke and we weren't mad and that continued for like a week or two we were so mad and every night we would meet without asking or talking about it I just feel like we feel like we're supposed to feel certain ways all the time and if everyone just did what they actually wanted to do and there was no outside forces driving that we would live in a cooler place and now none of us can do what we want to do and it's like we're all living in the time between one day and the next my friend Ahmed sent me something because I went off in a Facebook post today and it will not be the last time and <laughs> if you thought I was breaking down then buckle up because we're going to get fucking weird <laughs> in the coming weeks I can promise you that this is a conversation between Agnes DeMille and her friend Martha Graham and they were both dancers in New York back in the 1920s the greatest thing she ever said to me was in 1943 after the opening of Oklahoma when I suddenly had unexpected flamboyant success for a work I thought was only fairly good after years of neglect for work I thought was fine I was bewildered and worried that my entire scale of values was untrustworthy I talked to Martha I remember the conversation well. It was in Schraft's restaurant over a soda. I confessed that I had a burning desire to be excellent, but no faith that I could be. Martha said to me very quietly, There is a vitality, a life force, an energy, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And because there is only one of you in all of this time, this expression is unique. And if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium, and it will be lost. The world will not have it. It is not your business to determine how good it is, nor how valuable, nor how it compares with other expressions. It is your business to keep it yours clearly and directly, to keep the channel open. You do not even have to believe in yourself or your work. You have to keep yourself open and aware of the urges that motivate you. Keep the channel open. As for you, Agnes, you have a peculiar and unusual gift, and you have so far used about one-third of your talent. But, I said... When I see my work, I take for granted what other people value in it. I see only its ineptitude, inorganic flaws, and crudities. I am not pleased or satisfied. No artist is pleased. But then is there no satisfaction? No satisfaction whatsoever at any time, she cried out passionately. There is only a queer divine dissatisfaction, a blessed unrest that keeps us marching and makes us more alive than the others. I don't know what I wanted to say in this podcast. But somehow you're going to get it. I didn't want to make jokes. I didn't want to talk about those who've died. That's all happening. And that will continue to happen. I just wanted to talk to you. And I just wanted to be honest. I started a joke. Which started the whole world crying.